Well, good morning. Uh, some of you know that I am of the opinion that I have suffered with more worry and more fear than most people. Uh, right or wrong, I kind of blame that on uh, a decision that my parents made when I was four years old. They decided to send my twin brother and me to school early. Our birthday was right at the cutoff point where our parents could either hold us back a year or they could send us ahead. And their decision about that would determine whether or not we were the youngest kids in our class or whether we were the oldest. And they decided to send us ahead. In addition to being the youngest kids in our class, though, my twin brother and I were particularly small. Not just short, we were small. In high school, my claim to fame is that the yearbook staff interrupted a class where I was, and they wanted to take me out in the middle of this class and go to my locker and take a picture of me trying to get my books off the top part. And I couldn't reach them. That's my claim to fame. Now you say, well, what difference does it make? You know, you're, okay, you're young and you're kind of small. Well, it impacts all kinds of things. I think of the first time, for example, some big kid hit me with a, a dodgeball right in the face. He's like, the kid was like a foot taller than I was, and, and my glasses went flying. And after that, after that, I kid you not, every gym class, it's like I was praying beforehand, Lord, please, not, not dodgeball, not dodgeball, not dodgeball. And for the most part, it seems like God answered my prayers. But I had other fears related to my growing up. For example, my dad was a pastor. And it seemed like there were lots of things we were not allowed to do that other people were allowed to do. And as a result, it put me in these difficult positions because if you're a preacher's kid, one of the things you want to be true is that you want to be like normal people. And you don't want to be saying, well, I'm different in this way or that. And I remember one of our teachers said something to the effect, before we're done, in this class, before this year is out, we're going to be learning the square dance. Now that's terrifying in and of itself. <laughs> that at our church, dancing was considered sin and I didn't realize that square dancing and dancing weren't quite the same thing. And I just en envisioned this situation where I'd have to say, I can't do that because I'm a Christian. And everybody laughing, or the time that I was given an assignment by one of the English teachers to, to read a part in a play. About six or seven of us were given the little play manual to take home, and the next week we were going to be acting out this little play. I read my lines. And I realized as a Christian, as a preacher's kid, those are not things I could say. It included words we were not allowed to use in our household, and I began to worry about that. I eventually went to the teacher and asked for permission not to have to do it, but not before I'd lost a lot of sleep. And the teacher was very gracious about it, but I just feel like I had lots of these types of things growing up, and all of this was before I faced my freshman bully nemesis when I was in high school. We all have fears. Dictionary.com defines fear as a distressing emotion aroused by impending danger evil, pain, etc., whether the threat is real or imagined. Some of the synonyms of fear are foreboding, apprehension, dismay, dread, terror, fright, panic, trepidation. 
Now, of course, not all fear is bad. I think God has given us the ability to have fear, in some cases, will keep us alive. We need to be afraid of certain things. But oftentimes, fear will have an effect on us that'll keep us from, from moving forward. It'll keep us stuck in a place. Many times, it, it's not healthy for us to experience worry and fear in our lives. It can diminish the quality of our lives. It can dominate us sometimes. And for me, that happened many times. And so, is it possible to get past it? Today, we're gonna look at this subject, or this whole series is on trapped. We're looking at various areas in which people are trapped, and today, I just wanna talk about worry and fear. I'm using the terms interchangeably today. I realize that there's a a little difference between worry and fear and and anxiety, but I wanna use them interchangeably. But there are some differences. A website called theydiffer.com kinda clarifies it a speck. They say both emotions, fear and anxiety, they say both emotions are very closely linked to one another and in some cases can be felt at the same time. But the main difference is whether or not the fear is related to something immediate or not. Fear is a response to something immediate, whereas anxiety, and I would say also worry, is a response to something imagined or something that might happen in the future, but both are types of fear. Can we get past our fears? And I'm convinced that the answer is yes, but it does take a change in the way we see things, a change in the way we think about things. Now, in the New Testament, there are a couple main places that, that we can go if we wanna learn about what Jesus had to say about worry or, or fear or Paul or some others. Like in Matthew chapter six, Jesus talked about this, don't worry about what you're gonna eat or drink. Don't worry about tomorrow. Each day has enough troubles of its own. Jesus gives some very practical steps in in just how to deal with worry. Take one day at a time, for example, something that Jesus said, and it's really true. It really helps. But today I want to focus on one of the other more famous passages, some of these verses some of you may have even memorized. But I hope we can look at them through a new lens. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9, where Paul talks about this. He says in verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is any praise, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me and the God of peace will be with you. Now I see several things here, but my main takeaway this morning is this, God is bigger than our fears. I think that's the place we need to come to when we're facing various things, is God bigger than this thing? And oftentimes the reason we succumb to fear is that we don't believe our God is big enough. We don't see our God through the right lens. Now I wanna ask some questions here this morning that are raised from this section here that'll help us see if we do view God as being big enough. The first question is this, am I convinced that Christ is with me? Am I convinced that Christ is with me when it comes to our fear? When it comes to our worry, do I believe that that Jesus is actually with me? 
or not. In verse 4, again, Paul wrote, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. The word graciousness in this verse probably should be better translated forbearance. It means to put up with a lot, especially when somebody is mistreating you. It's, it's not wanting to get even with them. But he starts by saying rejoice in the Lord, within the realm of the Lord. Now, Paul used that little phrase in the Lord a lot throughout the New Testament. It means to just be in Jesus, in relationship with him. You are in Christ and Christ lives in you if you are indeed a Christian. And that's the thing that allows us to be joyful regardless of what we're facing. Well, I have Jesus. Jesus is in me. I'm in Christ. But then the last phrase here says the Lord is near. And, and scholars disagree about what that means. It could mean either that the Lord is coming back soon, which is encouraging. That'll allow us to persevere many times. Well, Jesus is coming back. I can go through this. Or it means he's near, as in like right here. Which is it? They're both true. For the Christian, both are true. We believe Jesus is coming back, but he is here and he is with us. And that should make a difference in how we face fear. One of the um, most amazing miracles that Jesus performed when he walked the earth was he stilled a raging storm. I call it one of the more amazing ones because the disciples were most amazed by it. In other words, Jesus did a lot of miracles, but this particular miracle actually scared them. The disciples and Jesus had been in a boat. Suddenly a huge storm, a squall, I would call it, came up. The water and the waves were coming into the boat. They thought they were going to sink. These were fishermen who were used to the water, used to boats, used to storms, and they were scared to death for their lives. And then Jesus says, be still, when he finally performed the miracle. And it's like it said they were suddenly afraid. Like, who can do such a thing? I love the painting that Rembrandt has painted on this. It's called The Storm on the Sea of Galilee. It just captures that moment of the disciples in the boat. Jesus is sitting there. They, he was sleeping when all this happened, which is a great picture for us as well. You know, while the storm is raging around us, if Jesus is in the boat, you know, you can be sleeping. He was sleeping in the midst of it. They finally woke him up. I love this, though, because it's so realistic. You got these poor guys clinging on for their dear lives, but then you got this one guy with a red shirt toward the bottom right-hand corner there, and he's throwing up. <laughs> so, you know, that's, yeah, that's what it was like. It's like that. They woke Jesus, and they said, don't you care about us? We're going to die. That's the most ridiculous question you could ever ask Jesus. Do you care about us? Don't you care about us? We're going to die. Of course, Jesus cared. His response to them is, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? It should have occurred to them that if Jesus is in the boat, we're fine. What, is, is God the Father going to allow the boat to sink with Jesus and the disciples in it? As long as Jesus is in the boat, if they were on their own, maybe it'd be more scary, but Jesus was there. Don't they have any faith to believe that, that God the Father is going to work on their behalf? I love Isaiah 41.10. It's one of my favorite verses. Do not fear, for I'm with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand. Are you convinced Christ is with you? Because if he's with you, nothing can touch you. 
Our God is sovereign. Second question that we can ask ourselves to see whether we really believe that God is bigger than whatever this fear or worry is, am I willing to turn my worries over to God? And I really think this is the issue of willingness because we like to hold on to our worries. I, I don't know, I think we're all the same in this regard, but when I have something to worry about, I do not want to stop worrying about it because I'm thinking if I don't worry about it, who's going to worry about it? And even if I give it to God, I think, well, yeah, I know you're worrying about it too, but I want to worry about it as well because somebody's got to worry about this thing. We're not willing sometimes, I think, just to give it over to God. In verses six and seven, Paul wrote, don't worry about anything, which by the way, I don't like that. You know, I mean, I really like the Bible. I am sure it's all true, but I wish it would say don't worry about most things. <laughs> no. I just don't like the anything part. Like, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. Hey, listen, if you lived my life, you'd worry. I spent almost a week in the hospital because of worry. I was so worried. Don't worry about anything, you know? Can we really get to that point? He says, don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God in the peace of God which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's a tremendous promise here. Dr. Warren Wearsby has noted the fact that our English word worry comes from a word that means to strangle. He says the old English root from which we get the word worry means to strangle. That's exactly what it feels like when we're worried. We're just, just kind of strangled. What's the remedy? Well, it's, it's prayer, although I think it's a little bit more than that. Dr. Leitner explains verses six and seven. He says, Paul exhorted the Philippians to prayer instead of anxiety. Praying with thanksgiving involves trusting God. Four words are used here to describe a believer's communion with God. Prayer, that's the first one, describes a believer's approach to God. It means to come before him. Petition emphasizes requesting an answer to a specific need. Thanksgiving is an attitude of heart which should always accompany one's prayers and requests speak of definite and specific things we're asking for. Okay, Lord, this. Oh, Lord, this. Oh, Lord, this. Now, here's the thing. I think that, again, prayer is too small a word, although it's fine to, to think about it this way. What I think we need to do is really give it over to God. It's not a matter of just, I'm gonna pray about this, and then you just, you just pray about it, and then you continue to worry about it. What we tend to do is we've got worries or fears. They're like a bundle that we're carrying on our back, and we say, God, here, I got this bundle. Please take this bundle, and then we walk away, but we never transferred it. We never gave it to him. Really give it to him. And to me, this with thanksgiving is the thing that demonstrates whether we've really given it to him because if we've really given it to him, it'll change the way we view this thing. Okay, God, if you're gonna lose sleep over this, I don't have to anymore. I can actually sleep. I can be in the boat with the storm. But I think we need to ask, and it's asking with faith. Before I began my freshman year of high school, I was aware of a practice that took place at my high school. It was a huge high school, Austintown Fitch in Austintown, Ohio, near Youngstown, graduating class. I believe it was over 900, 940 maybe, huge. And they had a practice called Senior Day, and Senior Day was the day that the seniors cut class, but came to school 
and hunted down the freshmen. They terrorized them. And I'd heard all kinds of rumors about this senior day. I'd heard how they would bring their hair remover and spray it on the heads of the freshmen. It's not what happened to me, by the way. <laughs> I'd come by mine quite naturally. They'd do swirlies. Stick your head in the urinal and flush it. That happened to friends of mine. I knew they did that. There were all kinds of things. I mean, my first day in high school, some kids in the back row in my math class said they were going to hang me from the clock in the hall on senior day. I was afraid of senior day. And I didn't even want to go to school that day, but my parents were dutiful, and you always go to school, and you don't skip school. And the day before senior day, I was standing there getting ready to leave for the day, and I saw this big kid that I somehow knew was a freshman, but he was, he was huge. He was huge. And I didn't know his name, but I knew he was big. And so I walked over to him, and I said, tomorrow's senior day, as you know, and I'm, I'm really afraid. And um, I was wondering if you would wait here for me tomorrow and, and walk me to my first class, escort me to my first class. I'll give you $5 if you do it. I was serious, it was a lot of money for me back then. I'll give you five bucks if you do this. I didn't sleep much that night. Parents dropped me off that day. I didn't even want to take the bus. I was so afraid of senior day. By the way, I'm curious, how many of you have heard me tell what actually happened on senior day? Oh, okay, you'll want to hear that someday. Anyway, I show up at the school, and um, there he was, like an angel. It was, I'm telling you, it was, it was like an angel. He was a foot taller than I was. He was huge, 130 pounds bigger probably, huge. And there he was waiting for me, and he's walking me, escorting me to the first class, and it's like, you know, with him there? Hey, you talking to me? <laughs> yeah, who, who, who's going to mess with me? Like, I don't, I, don't care, I don't care if you're a senior or not. You're going to get beat up here. This is my buddy here. You know, our friends. We've known each other for 10 minutes, you know? He walked me to other classes as well. I would come out, the bell would ring, he'd kind of see me and, and take me to the next class. He didn't even take the money. It's so nice of him, so kind of him, and I got through senior day, although that's a story. I got through senior day untouched. But I asked. I asked, and I think we need to. I, I think we need to learn what it means to really give something over to someone else to say, I can't carry this thing. It is too big for me. I can't fight my own battle. I need you, God, and I'm giving this over to you. And I, I, I envision this, like, a, like I said, a, a worry package that I'm handing up to God and leaving in his care. And he promises if we do this, it says the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. That word guard your hearts and minds, the word guard means to, to be like guards on a sentinel, watching over, protecting something. God will protect your heart, protect your mind, but only if you give it over to God with thanksgiving. The third question to ask ourselves related to this overall idea that God is bigger than our fears is am I ready to refocus my thoughts? Am I ready to make the decision that I'm, I'm not going to dwell on those thoughts, 
those worries. Philippians 4, 8, Paul says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is any praise, dwell on these things. He starts by saying rejoice in the Lord, don't be anxious about anything. He comes down here to this verse and he says change the way you think. Now I think it's important to understand that when it comes to something like worry that it's not enough to say stop worrying. It's not enough to say, don't think about this thing. No, I think there needs to be a replacement that takes place, filling our mind with something else. I mentioned last week that the Hebrew word for salvation in the Old Testament is a word that means to be delivered, but it's more than that. It has in it the idea delivered to a spacious place. I gave the example of the Israelites when they were scared to death. They were surrounded by the Egyptian army on one side and the sea the Red Sea on the other side, and they were trapped. That's what it is to be trapped, and then God saved them. He delivered them from their enemy and brought them to a spacious place. When it comes to our worry and everything else, what is the spacious place to which we need to find ourselves? I think it's a place called peace. It's a place called peace, but I, I don't think we get there unless we can learn to think on different things to see when we're worrying about this, to say, I will not, I will choose not to dwell on this worry here. Instead, I'm going to be thinking on whatever is good, right, lovely, of good repute, what is excellence, something worthy of praise. I'm going to give myself to these types of things, the truth, the truth of God's word, honorable and pleasing and, and encouraging things, things that will will not destroy my peace, but will, will build me up. And it's a matter of saying no to one and yes to the other, not just saying no to the one. And we fill our minds with these positive and encouraging things. Now with these first three points, if you wanted to just remember them, what to do when you're facing the situation, CPR are the three letters, you need CPR. It's, it's Christ, it's prayer, and then it's, it's re-envision or rethink or think differently about this thing here, so CPR. I have a fourth question though that's just a little bit different than the others and one that you might not have thought of before. The fourth question is this, am I willing to live in a way that leads to peace? Am I willing to live in a way that leads to peace? Let me read four and verse nine again where Paul said, "Do." what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me and the God of peace will be with you. That's our subject, that's the spacious place, peace. Earlier Paul talked about the peace of God being with us but now he's talking about the God of peace. He says you live a certain way and the God of peace will be with you. Now I know some of you are thinking, wait a minute, isn't he always with us? Well yeah, in a sense he is, although I don't know that we experience the God of peace. He's saying, walk in step with, with your God. And what do you do? Well, you, well, the things that you've learned from God's word and from teaching and you received and you've heard these things and you've seen this is how godly people live. You live that way and the God of peace will, will be right there with you as you go through life. How does this relate to our subject? Well, I want to suggest here today that Sometimes the reason that we're worrying so much or so anxious or so afraid is because we're doing things 
that we know we shouldn't be doing, and frankly, we're afraid we'll get caught. We're afraid people see what we're doing. There are lots of things that we do in terms of how we live our lives that destroy our peace. This thing that we know we have, this secret that we have. Maybe no one else knows about this thing, but we're, there are these things that we have and these things that we do that we're not willing to let go of, and then we wonder, why don't I sense the, the, the presence of my God with me here? And I think, I think there's a, something that has to be addressed. Sometimes there are some specific things. Now, if, if you can't think of anything, fine, but sometimes there are specific things that we are doing that are destroying our, our joy, our peace. And Paul says, you know, walk this way. A couple times in the New Testament, Paul made this statement. He said, I do my best to maintain a blameless conscience both before God and others. Paul learned it's just plain not worth it to do things that sacrifice your conscience or do things that, that you know are not right before a God who sees all things. And so you clean all that up. And I think it leads to peace. The bottom line again, though, is God is, is bigger than our fears. Our God is bigger. And I encourage you to ask yourself these questions. Which one maybe would apply? For some of you, are you convinced that Christ is with you? That when you face this particular fear or this, this worry to realize that he's right, he's right here with me. Others of you, it's the prayer piece or really giving it over to God and saying, you know, I've been carrying this, this thing here and it's why I don't have any peace, but I'm gonna give it over to you. I'll trust you with this. You're able to handle this. For some of us, it's just refocusing our thoughts. There are lots of ways in which we let our thoughts just take over. Worry and anxiety is one of them, but unforgiveness is another one. There are other things that, that are, we allow ourselves to dwell on. We rehearse them over and over and over again. You will not have peace if you do that. There are better things, encouraging things, wonderful things, truths that we could focus our attention on. And then maybe for some of us, there's a way in which we're living that's getting in the way of the peace that we could be experienced. Now, I think all of this matters because I think the world these days is looking for peace. And we're told, you know, if you walk in the Spirit, you'll have love and joy and peace. It's part of what it means to just walk in the Spirit. And, and as Christians, when we exemplify these things, when we're carried away by these other things, we're, we're not really pointing to our Savior, but when people know we're going through something hard, but the peace of God that surpasses all understandings that work within us, they want to know what we have. It's an opportunity for us to point to the Savior. Let me mention two last things. One is that a talk like this might raise questions to you concerning anxiety in particular. And I just want to mention that sometimes, in addition to the things we've looked at, God uses medical solutions to the problem. To recognize sometimes that's the case. God uses medical solutions as part of his solution to the problem. The last thing I want to mention is this, that I don't believe any of these promises that I've mentioned this morning about the presence of Christ and his willingness to take our problems and fears, they don't apply to us unless we put our trust in Jesus Christ to be our savior. See, our sin, the things we do wrong come between us and a holy creator. And we can't fix that. We cannot get rid of this thing called sin. We can't clean ourselves up. We need a deliverer, a savior. That's why Jesus came into this world. 
You specifically came to die on the cross in your place and for everything you did wrong, he paid the price in full so God could extend forgiveness to you as a free gift. Jesus was declared guilty so that God could declare you not guilty. And when Jesus rose from the dead, it demonstrated that the payment made on your behalf and mine was accepted by God. So how do we get that forgiveness? And how do we experience Christ in us? Well, it's through faith. It's putting our trust in Jesus to be our Savior. Most simply put, in John 3.16, God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him, whoever puts their trust in him, will not perish, but have eternal life. If you want to talk with someone about that, you can talk to someone after the service up front here or at the next steps booth outside. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are our God. We acknowledge that sometimes we live as though we don't have a God. And we carry things, O Lord, that you never intended for us to carry. I ask you in the days ahead as we face various concerns and worries and fears, that you'd remind us of these things, that you are with us, that you don't want us to be anxious about anything, but to give everything over to you, that you're a God of peace and that it's possible to walk in peace in the midst of the storm. And we're grateful for that, but help us to apply these things to the specific things that we're facing in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.